0: If Burkitts can win it from 29. Spencer Jones on the hold. Casey Keller to snap it. And Burkitts drives-
1: Oklahoma takes to the road for the very first time in 2021, the Sooners in Manhattan, Kansas, to take on the Kansas State Wildcats. And just the idea, just the thought of Oklahoma going to Manhattan to play Kansas State kind of puts some fear in Oklahoma fans' hearts. And, And rightfully so, the Sooners haven't won there since 2017. Baker Mayfield was the quarterback the last time Oklahoma beat Kansas State in Manhattan. So, Yeah, you got some things going on there. We got to talk about that, obviously, as we break down the Sooners and the Wildcats on the Sooner Nation podcast. But we got a a few recruiting tidbits that we got to throw your way. And then Richard is in the hot seat as we do true or false this week. Rich, let's jump into recruiting to kind of launch this off. Um, A couple of crystal ball predictions came out this last week, and one of the players is a guy that you and I have covered and have talked about extensively in the past, as we lead up to the, uh, 2023, excuse me, the 2022 uh, national signing day in December. And that's Gentry Williams, who is the top rated player in the state of Oklahoma. It really looked like USC had been gaining traction with him and with the firing of Clay Helton at USC, now crystal ball predictions are coming back for Gensley Williams to come to Oklahoma. And it's the USC insiders that are making these crystal ball predictions. And so it looks like Oklahoma could actually snag the top player in the state uh, for the 2022 class.
0: <laughs> I like how you didn't say for the second consecutive year.
1: No, but... you can't. You actually cannot say for the second. In fact, do know, you, know, know. you know who, um, according to 24-7 Sports, do you know who was the last... Number one player that Oklahoma got in the in in from the state. Um, which, I'm gonna which current guess. Sooner was the last? Yeah, R- running back is the only nope. thing I
0: can think of. Not a running not back, Marcus Major.
1: Not a running back. It would um, uh, would
0: it have been a cornerback?
1: No, he plays on from, the offensive line. Union? I'll give <laughs> you another hint. He plays on the offensive line. Andrew Andrew Rain. Andrew Rain was the last uh, number one player from the state of Oklahoma <laughs> that the Sooners picked up. And when you look at Gentry Williams you're talking about a kid who's uber talented. He plays offense. He plays defense. He, when you when you look at the fact that defensive coaches are really the ones that are, that are recruiting him for the university of Oklahoma, let you know that that's, that's where they, they want him. That's the side of the ball that they want him on. And the, the reality is that he projects overall as the, as the number three cornerback in the class of 2022. So that's, I mean, why not take him where he's the number three overall rated player in the entire class. And so I I think he comes to Oklahoma. He's the type of kid that could make an impact like we're seeing a Latrell McCutcheon do this year, but he's also, he's kind of a tweener. Because he plays both sides of the ball. He's also a, a kid that you could easily see making next year a development for him. But the reality is Oklahoma seems to be back out in front with him and they're going to have to fight off late, late surges from Arkansas, Florida, and LSU. But um, I, I, it's looking pretty good in my opinion uh, for him to come to the University of Oklahoma.
0: Yeah. There, there's a couple of things that play here for me as well, Matt. Obviously when you look at the cornerback position for Oklahoma, there is an immediate need there. And I know these younger players are looking, these recruits, these prospects are looking to have an immediate impact or to begin to earn immediate playing time, or at least compete for it, especially when you're one of the top guys in your state, you're one of the top guys at your position, you expect to step in and immediately begin to find your groove, if you will, find your lane and a staple on how you'll be used within whether that's the defense or the offense. And so I look at a guy like Gentry Williams, I look at Oklahoma's situation and I look at him, not just at, at for depth, really, but a guy who could come in and be that star on this defensive side of the ball in this secondary, he's that type of talent. And I think Oklahoma and this coaching staff most likely is going to sell that. That that is a talking point for them. It's something that they're considering. It's something that's come up in conversation with Gentry Williams time and time again. And I know that the bait is dangling out there. The only question is, will Williams, when everything is said and done, Will he take that bait and sign that letter of intent?
1: Well, and you got to think if if you're willing to go to California to play for USC, then you're probably willing to go next door to Arkansas. I mean, he's from Tulsa, Booker T. Washington prospect, a product. So Arkansas not that far when you when you think about that. And and the Hogs got a big game this weekend against Georgia, mm-hmm. but that's a team that's that's. You kind of see they've they've made a turnaround and they're a team that's get, that's rising so to speak. LSU trying to have a bounce back season. Florida, you know, they they took Alabama to the wire. You and I talked about that last week on our podcast. So there is some <laughs> some good company there. Whoopsie doodles. Um, <laughs> there is some good company there for Oklahoma in recruiting him, but I just I just don't think it's a I don't think it's a coincidence that he was on campus September 17th and then just just over a week later, it's the USC insiders that are saying that he's coming to Oklahoma because he really seemed Mm -hmm. to have narrowed the choices down between those two schools.
0: And we always knew that was a possibility because initially Gentry Williams wasn't Oklahoma commit. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but he wasn't Oklahoma commit before decommitting opening back up that process. And I know that 2020 was a little bit of an oddity. It was an anomaly in terms of the recruiting cycle in that recruits weren't able to make these official visits. In Mm -hmm. fact, I'm sure that unofficial visits happen, but anything officially sponsored by the university seemed as though it was off limits. And that was NCAA guidelines opening back up. I have no problems with that because it allows you to enjoy the process, but it also does something that I find of more value, which is to simply slow down, to take it all in and to make a decision, not on a whim, not on a knee-jerk reaction, but that has been thought over and that has been considered and conversed about within. Trusted circles so again no problems with that for me matt Um, and i do believe gentry williams will be an impact player wherever he lands that could be usc that could be arkansas that could be oklahoma but you do have to like oklahoma's odds as you mentioned at this point in that process for him as an individual
1: yeah rivals has him as a five-star prospect Uh, 24-7 has him as a four-star prospect regardless he's he's a super talent speaking of super talents also Owassos Chris McClellan was on campus last weekend for the West Virginia game and in between last Saturday and we're recording this on Thursday 30. 30? We're recording this on Thursday, mm-hmm. September 30th, uh, in between that time, he also uh, picked up crystal Ball predictions to come to the University of Oklahoma. And much like what we saw with Gentry Williams and USC, it's actually the Ohio State insiders who were predicting Chris McClellan, to come play for Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And those are the two schools. It's, I mean, this kid has a crud ton of scholarship offers. I think he's sitting on 35 scholarship offers, but it looked like it was down between the Sooners and the Buckeyes. Again, on campus for the West Virginia game. And um, I
0: I had a different take. When you're saying between the Sooners and the Buckeyes, I thought Florida. Was very heavily in that mix for Chris No, McClellan. Florida,
1: Florida's definitely in there, and so is Alabama. But I I think you No, was...
0: I, I was saying it was Florida and Ohio State. And then if you're throwing Oklahoma in, Alabama would be a obviously you're a defender. You're get out of here. You're interested. In my apologies, a dog jumped in my lap, kind of freaked me out. Um, but you're obviously going to consider Alabama when they come knocking on your door. I think that's just a given, especially knowing the talent that they produce and the, the number of picks that they have go in the first round from that defense. And more importantly, from that defensive line, if Alabama knocks, if Nick Saban knocks on your door or even gives you a phone call, you pick it up. There is some kind of an interest there. But again, I I didn't consider them to be one of the front runners. Matt, it seemed as though a lot of the talk was centering around Florida and Ohio State. I didn't really hear Oklahoma in that category with those two teams. You're saying that switched. You're saying that these crystal ball predictions are really uh, taking Ohio State out of the mix and pushing or elevating Oklahoma into their place. But I would still have it as Florida and Oklahoma then.
1: Yeah, that's has, just my take. According to twenty four seven, his crystal ball predictions are sixty percent Oklahoma, forty percent Ohio State. And again, the 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 latest one's coming from Ohio State insiders going towards Oklahoma. McClellan, a four star recruit, six three two ninety five defensive lineman on the interior line. And I get what you're saying about Alabama, and that's really true across the board for any position: running back, quarterback, mm-hmm. defensive lineman. But when you look at what Oklahoma is doing with Perry on Winfrey, when you look at the, you know, you, you look at the the defensive lineman they put in the in the draft, uh, the recently, if you're a homegrown product, you you look in your own backyard, and and, and the Sooners are doing some really good things. And here's a here's yeah the deal. absolutely. If you pick up Chris McClellan, and you pick up Gentry Williams, then what you do it you're getting the number one and the number two player within the state of Oklahoma in this class, mm-hmm. and and there's so much. Uh, momentum and and so much talk about the 2023 class that these two moves, if they were to commit, if they do sign on National Signing Day, this gives the 2022 class, which isn't like you know, it's it's not chopped liver, but it's it's definitely when you talk about the the two classes right now, 22 and 23, everyone's looking at 23. But add these two defenders, and you really kind of make a mark once again, a big splash in 2022.
0: And it's not just that you look. This is going to be a hot take, a hot read for me, Matt. I think this is possibly one of the best defensive lines that we've seen at the University of Oklahoma in the past 20 years. Now, you're talking, about the, the, some... you're
1: talking about the team currently playing. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I would have said that about last year's team as well. These have been, again, it's a continuation of last year minus a few names, but we look at this team and we look at the defensive line and we look at how dominant they've been. We look at more particularly how dominant they've been against stopping the run or slowing Mm -hmm. down some of the better running backs that have been seen in the big 12 conference and those that they're facing in those non-conference portion um, those, those three games before we jump into the conference portion of the schedule. But needless to say, Matt, I don't, this is my hot take. I don't know that this defensive line has hit its full potential yet And when you consider that as a prospect like a McClellan, you immediately, I think you begin to jump at that prospect as well. We talk so highly, um, the national media, not us particularly, the national media talks so highly about Alabama and what they've done with their defenders and how they've progressed and how they've developed those individuals into NFL, or if not elite level players, into NFL caliber first round picks, if you will, I get the draw, um, but I think Oklahoma is right on the cusp of something big. And to not to want to be a part of that, knowing Oklahoma is in your own backyard, knowing the university is just down the street, knowing that your parents, your family, and your friends will get those games televised each and every weekend. it, It seems if you don't consider that, that there's something else at play that we haven't even considered at this point in time. I, again, we talk, I mean, my hot take again is all I'm, I'm leaning into Matt at this moment and saying that I don't think this defensive line has really reached their full potential, but they're clearly carrying this team right now.
1: Well, the defense, I mean, and then, and I think that's what well, we're going to get into Kansas state and we're going to get into West Virginia. We're going to get into all of that, but what's lost in the shuffle and when all the talk about Spencer Rattler and Oklahoma's offense, what's lost in the shuffle is as soon as they're winning with defense. And, mm-hmm. and I agree with what you're saying about the defensive line. I also agree that I think they're just going to get better. I mean, the, 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 as the season goes on, they're going to progressively get better each week with new twists, new stunts, new under uh, uh, continued understanding. And they're playing without Jalen Redmond right now. So all that said, um, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I do want to th- I want to throw one more thing back in here about recruiting because you had asked me, you and I didn't get to do West Virginia Post game together because of my travel schedule. Uh, but leading up to the West Virginia game, you had asked me about who would be the next commitment for the University of Oklahoma. And it actually was mm-hmm. DeAndre Moore and um, 2023 receiver, which is we you know I paid homage to that 2023 class and then I came back around, Talking about these two guys from 2022, but skip back over to 2023 now and what Oklahoma is building with this. DeAndre Moore is the the third player to come from the same team as quarterback Malachi Nelson. You got Malachi Nelson out of California, teammate Makai Lemon, and now DeAndre Moore Jr. And all three of those guys are five-star prospects. And then you you throw in there that they also have from Fort Lauderdale, Brandon Ennis, who is a five-star prospect. So you've got four five-star commitments for this class, all on the offensive side of the ball. And so when you see that 2022 class begin to lean a little bit heavy on the defensive side of the ball, it's absolutely okay because you're bringing in some, some – what on paper is some extreme firepower on this 2023 class when it comes to offense I feel as though that's been the case in the past as well I'm not
0: holding my breath and man I'm really going to press into what Lincoln Riley has said and that's that he believes this offense is on the cusp of a big scoring game it's that that monster output in terms of yardage that leads to the high the high uh, number on the scoreboard Sure, we've only seen that really in one game. This season, Oklahoma's only scored over 30 points twice this season. I think they're on the cusp of that. Sure, be excited about these big names that are coming in. Be excited about the prospects that are Oklahoma has made some inroads with in California and hope that that leads to a continued recruiting prowess in the state because that's one of the most talent-rich states in the country California Texas and Florida being the big three when you talk about recruiting so yeah like I said be excited about it but I I'm not looking towards the future just yet I'm holding out for the now
1: all right well we've got um we've got true false coming up we're also going to break down Oklahoma's offense against the Kansas State Wildcats defense this is the Sooner Nation podcast Okay, Rich. The Sooners go into Manhattan, Kansas, on a scale of one to uh, one to fifty. What's your nervous and anxiety level with this game?
0: Man, that's that's an odd number to pick. I don't,
1: I don't know why I picked um, fifty. It just came to my head.
0: Matt, I, I'm going to tell you, there's some situations that are playing out. I get that it's Manhattan. I get that Oklahoma is on a two-game skid against Kansas State, regardless of location. This would be number three that Kansas State is trying to pull off in terms of an upset or consecutive upsets over the favored Oklahoma Sooners in the Big 12 Conference, as well as a favorite in the national picture. But when it comes to Kansas State, this is a a vastly different Kansas State team than what Oklahoma's seen in the past two years, largely because Kleeman, I am going to say the name one way and I'm going to get it wrong, so we're just going to say it both ways today. But he's already said that Skylar Thompson will not be available
1: for this game. That's not what he said. Uh, he, he did not say that. He said it doesn't look that way. So you got to mm-hmm. you gotta read some coach. Sp- I personally don't <laughs> think Skylar Thompson is going to play. But he did not emphatically say Skylar Thompson wouldn't play. Okay, just, well,
0: my, my interpretation is that Skylar Thompson is not available. Here's is pretty that much, better, a better yeah, way to put here, it?
1: Here's that? a loose translation of what he said. What he said was they really would like Skylar Thompson to return against Kansas State, against the Iowa State in two weeks, but he's making progress. He warmed up against Oklahoma State last week in Stillwater, uh, but he, and he's better than he was last week in Stillwater. Will Howard, who got injured against Oklahoma State in the first half, is, is really kind of gimpy at the first half of the week, but he expected the latter half of the week that he would work that out and be good to go. And then the Lewis kid is is their third option and you know what they just don't want to run him because they don't know who's behind him so if lewis plays that it may affect their play calling and he has no idea who would be behind lewis that's how he summed up his quarterbacks this week so Mm -hmm. you tell me who's going to play
0: that that's the big question right now and that's where i was was really headed towards when you're asking me the question of my, my level of anxiety on a weird scale from <laughs> 1 to 50, not 10, not 100, but 50. I'm going to put it right in the middle for you, um, 25 okay. for me, and, and largely because of the quarterback situation. I think if the top two names, Skylar Thompson and Will Howard, are not available, Oklahoma immediately has an advantage because the key is going to be slowing down Deuce Thawne. Oklahoma – uh, wasn't necessarily able to do that last season, but again, it was a completely different situation yeah. there again, Matt, some, some situations, some things that are at play that we'll dissect here in just a moment. And I don't want to give too much away, but my answer uh, for the time being is going to be 25 simply because I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. And it's largely from a physicality standpoint for me.
1: Yeah, so you're right there in the middle. Uh, Kansas State was in the top 25 a week ago. They go into Steelwater. They lose 31 to 20 to Oklahoma State. The Cowboys get up really big in the first quarter, and then they just kind of cruise there. Um, Oklahoma comes into this game averaging 38.8 points per game. Kansas State's defense gives up 19 and a half points per game, but again. 31 last week to Oklahoma state was the season high for, for this team. Um, w- when you look at Oklahoma's offense against this Kansas state defense, the, the first thing I, I, the very first thing that draws my attention here, Rich is how good Kansas state is against the run. We have been talking about Oklahoma's defensive line, how dominant they are. We've been talking about how well they've done against the run, but Kansas state actually four yards per game, less is what they're allowing opponents on the ground, 75.3 yards per game. And so you look at this and immediately I go, my attention goes to the struggles that Oklahoma has had up front with the offensive line. And I go to the struggle the Sooners had to run the ball against West Virginia last week. And I'm thinking it's not going to get any easier this week because this, this Kansas state defense, absolutely. They're going to play. The same way Nebraska did, the same way West Virginia did, the same way Tulane did, they're going to try to win this battle at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage, stop Oklahoma's running attack, and force Spencer Rattler under pressure to make plays to beat them. And so the very first thing I draw my attention to here is the battle up front and Oklahoma has to get it together there. They absolutely have to. There, there's. We can argue all of, all day long about Spencer Rattler. We could argue all day long about Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks, but the reality is the hitch and the giddy-up when it comes to Oklahoma's offense, the struggle is the offensive line. And everything, football, I said this post-game against West Virginia, football 101 is that everything flows from what happens up front. And if you're losing mm-hmm. up front, it's incredibly hard. If you're losing at front, it's incredibly hard to play defense. And if you're losing at front, it's incredibly hard to play offense.
0: I completely agree with you. If we're looking at the one thing Oklahoma must do, it's present themselves as a physical front in the trenches, something that we haven't necessarily seen out of this group. I don't know. Matt, if we go back just one year, we talked about how Creed Humphrey really set Mm -hmm. the tone in terms of physicality. You use the term nastiness on more than one equation, one equation, one occasion. Let's try that word. Instead, Oklahoma just doesn't have that this year. They don't have a guy who goes in and says, this is this is who we're going to be, and this is our identity. I think they're looking for a leader on this offensive line, and one simply hasn't emerged. There's a lot of very good candidates to take over that type of a role, Awanya Morris, even though he's a little bit newer in this system. You've got a fifth year, maybe a sixth year senior. I'd have to go and look at that one. And Eric Swenson, a lot of experience there. You have three guys, Matt, on this offensive line who have over 20 starts a piece, and then you've got two two pieces that are fairly new. So we're looking for that leader. We're looking for the individual who can set the tone. I would expect it to be one of the more experienced players, but I am not opposed to it being one of the younger guys who who lacks that experience but wants to get out there, wants to play, and wants to show that they're capable of being the future of this offensive line.
1: You know, and I look at this, I I have a little bit of a different take. You know, immediately Saturday night, I, I you know there. All the controversy was there, um, but I'm watching the game, Rich. And and the issue is not Spencer Rattler. The issue is the offensive line. And I said mm-hmm. that Saturday night. I said that Sunday. I've said that throughout the week. You know, Gabe Eichert, Who, if you if you don't listen to Gabe Eichert and and take what he says, you know, as as you know as truth, then you really have no interest in knowing what's happening with this football team. But Gabe Eichert said the same thing. The struggles the offensive line. Joe Clack. Yeah, and he's got News. experience there. Exactly. Joe Clack from <laughs> Fox News, who used to be a quarterback in the old Big 12 days. You know, Joe Clack came out and said it's not Spencer Adler, it's the offensive line. And, and Rich more specifically, when I look at this offensive line, I don't see it as being a an issue of, of talent. I see it no, being a issue at all. of communication. They're just not communication communicating. It's not there at the level that they need it to be. And and here's how you can tell. Um, Lincoln Riley on that final drive against West Virginia. He simplified it. He, you you know, that the meme and people say, talk to me like I'm a five-year-old, right? Explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. That's what he did with that offense and the final drive against West Virginia on Saturday. Mm -hmm. It was. And look at the the success. Exactly. It was the most simple, the most basic. Thing he could have done and the communication was there along the offensive line the quarterback protection was there the push was there on the mm-hmm. running place spencer rattler was six for six on that final drive because he actually was able to get into a rhythm again it's not on Spencer work through
0: progressions 100%. additionally
1: a hundred percent and so the the issue here is communication and i think i i think what i'm expecting to see is Lincoln Riley continue to simplify things because he knows that he has to run the football 330 mm-hmm. yards is what Kansas state is allowing opponents on offense. Only 75 of those are coming on the ground. So this is a, a, a <laughs> team where I think Spencer Rattler, is, can have some success through the air, but just for the sake of what's happening right now with this football program and that offensive line, Here's my offensive keys. Number one, you got to win the point of attack. And then number two, I think this is a game where you got to run. You just have to run the football against this team. And you got to do it the way you did that final drive against West Virginia. You start there, and then you work your way out. But when the so line you, of scrimmage... You went, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. You, you go ahead. Win the, saying, scrim- win the line of
1: scrimmage. When the line of scrimmage is number one, and then run the football is number two for me.
0: Because I'm going to completely disagree... With you on the necessity of running the football. Yes, Oklahoma will run the football. Yes, they will run it consistently and an attempt to keep these linebackers to keep these safeties honest but at the end of the day Matt, I look at that Oklahoma State game I was watching Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play side by side on two separate (laughs) screens um, with a group of people who are heavily invested in the Oklahoma State game I was relegated to a, a side TV almost by myself with the Oklahoma and West Virginia game. Needless to say, what I saw out of Oklahoma State was Spencer Sanders carving up this, this defensive mm-hmm. secondary to the tune of 344 yards. Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State looked all-world right. against Kansas State, had mm-hmm. possibly the best game of his career, single-game single performance, best game of his career. Other people may not label it that way, but I know – Coming out of that game, the word that everybody was saying was, this is the Spencer Sanders we've been waiting for, which indicates to me that he was doing something special on that night. Oklahoma has a plethora of talent at the receiver position. They have one heck of a quarterback, and I don't care what people think about Spencer Rattler at this point in time. I'm in agreement with you. He's not the problem. He's an athletic quarterback who has a strong arm and can make all of the throws, but also has the ability to extend plays with his feet and make throws accurate throws while on the run. You can't complain with the skill set. You can't complain with the tools in the toolkit for Spencer Rattler. What you can complain with is what we've already alluded to, is the offensive line. And honestly, if Oklahoma is going to simplify things along this offensive line, I expect them to open things up in the passing game and to begin to Uh, involve the receivers more often than not. This is a game where I think Oklahoma throws more than they run. And I've said the exact opposite in previous games, but this is that 60-40 split where I want to see Oklahoma, if they're going to run 100 plays, I want to see them throw it 60 to 70 times and run it 30 to 40. So my my first, yes, Matt, win the line of scrimmage, but two is open up the pass attack.
1: Do you know? Uh, do you know what else was happening when Spencer Sanders was having the best game of his season against Kansas State last weekend?
0: No, but I bet you'll tell me.
1: Yeah, the, the Jalen Warren kid was running for like 130 yards. <laughs> I, it, it, it goes hand in hand. I mean, what you want? Look, if 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 you really want to be balanced offensively, what you have to do is you have to make linebackers and safeties either pause at the snap or take a step backwards at the snap. That's what you want. And, and, and so if you're wanting to run the ball, you want them to pause or take a step backwards. If you wanted, if you wanted to pass the ball, you, you want them to pause or step forward. And the way you make that happen to really balance it and confuse them is that you are able to run the football. And when you're able to run the football, then you're able to do the RPOs, and you read what those defensive ends are doing, you read what the linebackers are doing, you get your hot reads. All that takes place by running the football. And what Oklahoma's problem was against West Virginia, they couldn't run the ball. They just couldn't. And so the pressure was coming, and you know, people, people get on Twitter, and they scream, and they holler, and they fuss where's the deep ball? How come Spencer Rattler's not hit the deep guy? Well, okay, you need you need about three seconds to hit a deep guy. Spencer Rattler has about one and a half seconds, okay? And so it's just <laughs> that you got to run the ball. And I, we'll be on the opposite side of this. That's okay. I'm completely fine with that. That's what makes this great. You, you get one side, I get one side. We'll watch the game together, and we'll come back and talk about it on Sunday. But uh, I'm sticking to my guns. Uh, win the line of scrimmage, run the ball. And the number three for me, obviously we're going to throw in here. Turnovers is a given protect the football. Mm -hmm. Don't turn it over. But then number three for me is to take those shots downfield. Once you've established the run, use play action, use RPO and hit those shots downfield. But to me, Rich, it starts after they run the football.
0: My third key to this game offensively, Matt was going to be very simple. And it was, the The fact that Oklahoma needs to not make boneheaded mistakes, yeah, yeah. not take penalties, and, and here's a large reason why I've included this one. Oklahoma's played four games this season. Yes, they're four and zero. Yes, those games have largely been won by the defense, refusing to allow opponents into the end zone. This is the first game that Oklahoma is going to be playing on the road, and that dynamic is going to change. They're not going to have the crowd behind them. We're talking about an inexperienced, uh, an offensive line as a whole that hasn't really meshed or gelled together, and as you've alluded to, is lacking top-tier communication in order to be consistently effective on the field. Guess what? That noise level is going to ratchet up, when this Mm -hmm. offensive line is on the field. And if they can't get those cues down, if they can't remember the snap count, Oklahoma is going to be in a world of hurt. It doesn't matter if Spencer Rattler is taking shots down the field. It doesn't matter if Kennedy Brooks or Eric Gray is rattling off 10 yards per carry because every single time the offensive line makes a mistake, it's going to pull these individuals back to that that original line of scrimmage, and even further behind the chains. Needless to say, that goes across the board. We can't have receivers jumping either or running backs getting completely Mm -hmm. lost in the backfield and going to the wrong side of the ball. I don't expect those things to happen, Matt, but I feel as though it's important to mention because of what I've already said, this is the first true road game for Oklahoma of the season
1: yeah uh you know henrietta uh oklahoma's hometown hero cody fletcher is going to lead this kansas state defense he and daniel green have combined for 51 total tackles on the season fletcher has 26 of those 51 tackles and and this is again an, another group of of defenders that oklahoma is going to go up against that has um just amazing linebackers we, we saw a, a strong core of linebackers with Tulane we saw a strong core of linebackers with Nebraska saw a strong core of linebackers last week with West Virginia and then just here comes another wave and the the Wildcat defense is built very much like the Oklahoma defense and as they have big bodies in the middle and they occupy blockers and then they they leave they leave you know the edge is open and um I'm going to mess this kid's name up but the um Hyphenated defensive end uh, Felix Anud- Anudike Uzoma. Uzoma? Uh, I, I, I know I messed it up, but he and and Jerry McPherson, the safety, eight and a half sacks on on the season through four games. Um, I think I think the uh, the the Wildcats total have thirteen quarterback sacks in four games, twenty five tackles for loss, fifteen quarterback uh, pressures. They thrive at the line of scrimmage. This is going to be good on good. This is going to be the 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 heart and the soul and the meat and the strength of the wildcat defense going up against what has absolutely been the catalyst or not the catalyst, I guess the Achilles heel of this Oklahoma offense. And it all comes back around to that number one that you and I both said line of scrimmage. That's where it is. Oklahoma has to be solid there. And and you're, you're right on rich, what you're saying about knowing the snap count, not holding giving rattler time dominating up front communicating doing everything you can and and i i you just kind of got to wonder rich when you, you look at the the game last week against oklahoma state oklahoma state with 31 points 481 total yards of offense i mentioned jalen warren 4.6 yards per carry 123 yards and that allowed spencer sanders to have the game of the year um It was that here's what we're going to find out early. Was that an anomaly for Kansas state because everything just kind of snowballed losing your quarterback, or is there a blueprint there for a physical level of football to be thrown back at this Kansas state team? And to me, that's going to be a huge determining factor that we're going to learn early in this game. I'm not going to disagree.
0: Uh, with with your take on this game Kansas State, one game, one bad game from start to finish. and that one got I, I felt as though it got out of hand. oh yeah, pretty early. early. Yeah. And I know that Oklahoma State had a lot of success, but you've already mentioned it they coasted in the second half. There wasn't a lot of scoring going on from Oklahoma State. So you do you do ask a proper question there Are we going to get second half Kansas State or, or will we get first half? Kansas State it is going to be this this question of Jekyll and Hyde and I believe if Lewis gets the start net at the quarterback position I think he can do enough to keep to keep Kansas State in a game but it ultimately it's going to be the defense that has to win it for them
1: yeah, I'm going to throw this out there. We haven't talked defense yet, but I think it's going to be I really do think it's going to be Will Howard. All right, give me your offensive uh, guys to watch. Uh, one or two guys. Let's let's just go ahead and unless you have them on your on your cheat sheet, let's put the offensive line out there. I think we have firmly established the fact mm. that the offensive line as a whole has to be cohesive and they have to work. Spencer Rattler's on the table this week. Marvin Mims, they're all on the table. You you pick your guy. Who is it that you got to watch this week?
0: Yeah, for me, I'm going to take one of your guys and go with Eric Gray. I've already told you that I believe Oklahoma opens up the passing game. in this one, I believe it's a key that leads to success. And when you look at the running backs of the group that's available, the most notable one in the passing game is Eric Gray. And you can use him in in various roles. Oklahoma will have a full a full roster or slate of individuals at the wide receiver position, which then makes a guy like Eric Gray, the X factor for me in that passing game, it would be easy, just as easy for me to pick a Braden Willis though, mm. for similar reasons. I'm just singling in on Eric Gray because I think he sees more snaps than any of these halfbacks or these tight ends.
1: Well, since I put, I say more
0: snaps, more targets.
1: I, I see. I, I feel like you are saying I, um, I, I, since I put Spencer Rattler on the table, I'm going to pick him up right here and say, he's the guy I'm going to watch just because you got to see 74% completion is not bad. If you're a quarterback and you're completing 74% of your, of your passes, that should be good for anybody apparently except for the student section, but whatever. Um, I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm curious to see. I, I'm trying not to say something really that sounds really harsh, but Spencer Rattler is an ego driven guy. I mean, he, he's a, a high-profile athlete. He was in high school. He is in college. He's, he's the high-profile position for one of the most high-profile offenses in all of college sports. His ego was he, he took a shot on Saturday night. How does he bounce back? How does he bounce back with that this Saturday? So because of that, he's the guy that I'm keeping a, an eye on. Uh, give I me got your, a quick question. Yeah, go ahead.
0: i got a quick question for you. On that one, because I feel as though we saw if you're talking about an ego driven individual and naming him as Spencer, Spencer Rattler, what we saw was a shot to that ego last year when he was benched against Texas in favor of the backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. Is this that that turning point moment? Are you saying the fans, a.k.a. the student section booing Spencer Rattler? Are these Caleb Williams chants? that turning point for Spencer Rattler?
1: I think it can be, but I, I think what you have to keep in mind is that um, last, last Spencer year, Rattler
0: isn't playing bad, Matt. I don't want to give that not, impression. I'm
1: not, exactly. I'm not saying that either. And, he, and that's mm-hmm. what like, you got to keep in mind is that he was playing poorly in that first half against Texas last year. And that was the coach telling him, you need to go collect yourself and get yourself head and everything, mentally, physically focused to get back in this game that's one thing having your peers the student body chant against you that's that's something told I don't think I don't even think you can compare them because the guy's completing 74% of his passes he's playing good but it's not good enough and and I we're gonna I'm just gonna say we're gonna talk to this again here in just a minute and I've got one more thing to say about it but I am definitely curious to see how Spencer Rattler bounces back from this. And I I think the outcome could be the same, Rich. I think they're two different situations, but I think the outcome, the the end result, the second half against Texas that we got last year and whatever happens, Manhattan, I think he could just go out and be a completely different person. I think it, it could refocus him, but again, it could also make him force it a little bit more because focus hasn't really been the problem as it is. Uh, give me your bold predict. Uh, uh, yeah, your bold prediction. We we did our my, players to watch. Mm-hmm. Bold prediction for the offense on Saturday. My
0: my bold prediction is that Oklahoma will score more than thirty points in this game. We've seen what the offense I'm, I'm has done. I'm looking at my,
1: my cheat sheet here to see if I agree with you or not. I keep,
0: keep going. <laughs> we we've seen what the offense has done the past two weeks. We've seen what they did against Nebraska, which was not a thirty point performance. Mm-hmm. We saw what they did against West Virginia. Again, not a 30-point performance. In fact, it was a far cry from 30-point outings. Needless to say, Oklahoma, I think, takes some of the the knocks. They begin to learn. They begin to grow. They simplify things, much like they had to do for the defense a couple years ago. They simplify things on offense, and it leads to, um, I can't remember the quarterback's name, from Baylor who dinked and dunked Oklahoma to a win, but I can see that being the case here. And Oklahoma just marching down the field 10 yards at a time, 30 oh. points, Matt. That's my, my bold prediction.
1: All right. Well, here's my bold prediction is that Kennedy Brooks will be the leading rusher, not Eric gray on Saturday. So there I, I have that. Um, I got that going for me. Okay. We're about to put rich under the, um under the hot under the, the, uh, you don't go hey, under son. a hot seat. We're going to, put him under the microscope i don't know we're about to ask rich a bunch of questions uh true or false and and it's gonna be a lot of fun so rich this week on true or false obviously we've got uh football to talk about with oklahoma and kansas state but we also you and i didn't get to do post game last week and so we're gonna we're gonna start there with the five true or false questions and uh we're just gonna jump right back into this if if you're ready yep so here we go uh five five statements or questions you're going to tell me whether they're true or false and you're going to tell me why so here we go here's the first one true or false the we want caleb chance will have a negative impact on recruiting by the way this is not original to me this comes by uh by way of twitter from our friend nick hines who uh throws it out there uh and and you also a good listener friend of ours can hit us up at sports heartland on twitter and send us questions and as much as we can, we try to include them. So this is not original to me, Rich, but true or false, that we mm-hmm. want Caleb Chance uh, will have a negative impact on recruiting. I'm going with false Okay. on this one, um, largely because
0: any quarterback in the country, and I'm assuming the question is really targeted at the quarterback situation, the quarterback position, any quarterback in the country, regardless of where they have signed a letter of intent or where they're playing high school football, wants to have the opportunity to work with Lincoln Riley. And his track record speaks for itself. He caters his offenses to his quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I don't see that being any different this year. Sure, the numbers that we have come to know and love from the quarterbacks under Lincoln Riley, that's not been the case this season. But is it a reason for pause? Is it a reason for concern When it comes to recruiting, like I said, I don't think so. Oklahoma, you're looking at uh, Malachi Nelson, the number one quarterback in his class. You're looking at Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in his class. You're looking at Spencer Rattler, the number one quarterback in his class. Oklahoma's had a huge, huge string of success. And again, any quarterback in the country, I believe, wants to work, wants to glean some knowledge from Lincoln Riley, whether they get that opportunity or not is a completely different story, but that desire still exists because you see him as your best opportunity to be a high first-round draft pick at the quarterback position. So recruiting won't slow down for me, especially if we're talking about the quarterback position. This year, sure, I get the chance, but it just speaks to the level of expectation that Sooner fans have come to know the, the expectations that are placed upon this offense and the expectations that are placed upon the quarterback each and every year. Right.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. And, and here's one of the primary reasons why Oklahoma's 2022 recruiting class currently ranks number 12 nationally, number two in the big 12. Obviously both of those numbers could go up if the two guys, uh, uh, Ginger Williams and, and the McClellan kid, if they, if they jump in this class, but um, you know what this class does not have for 2022, Rich? They don't have a quarterback, and so I. By the time Malachi Nelson gets on campus, he's already committed. He's not going to decommit over that. But uh, by the time he gets on campus, this thing will be long gone and and forgotten. This this offensively, 2022 is about running backs, and you got a crud ton of really Mm -hmm. good running backs in this class already for 2022 they're not going to care about that. I, and, and then to further that, even, even more, you, you get a, a five-star commitment right on the heels of this game. Um, so I don't think, I don't think it affects recruiting. Now, if we ask the question from the standpoint of, is this a bad look for the university of Oklahoma? Then the answer to me becomes yes. And, and I like what Lincoln Riley said, um, in that it showed that there's a lot of enthusiasm amongst the fan base. I I wish, I I do wish this, I do wish Lincoln Riley would have separated the fan base from the students. I I wish he would have spoken specifically to the students in this, because that's where the chants were coming from. And what Lincoln Riley can't say is that it also shows a lot of ignorance, football ignorance amongst that group as well. People just don't know. The play didn't work, so it's got to be the quarterback's fault. And I've seen people on Twitter, and you're not wrong. I've seen people on Twitter say, you know what? When things go great, the quarterback gets to go to New York City for the Heisman Trophy presentation. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. But you also see these quarterbacks go to New York City, and what do they do? They think they're offensive linemen. They think they're running backs. They think they're receivers. They think they're coaches. They acknowledge the team effort. And you see the play. The play doesn't work. That's it, got to be the quarterback's fault. I, but I think it also speaks to one other issue, and this is what I wanted to talk about before we move on to the next true or false statement, is clearly clearly, Caleb Williams is a favorite among the students. And it, I think it's more than just being the backup quarterback favorite. You know, everybody talks about how the backup quarterback is the always the most popular person on the football team. And that's true. That's true to a large extent. Think about when when Oklahoma had Jalen Hurts running this offense. What were people talking about? Put Spencer Rattler in. give Spencer Rattler the chance. Now it's it's the other way around about Caleb Williams. But I think among these students. Caleb Williams is viewed differently than Spencer Rattler is. And we always know Well, we knew this coming out of high school. Caleb Williams is a man among the people. All right. He is a people person. He is a magnet. People are just drawn to him. And I think Spencer Rattler has his group. He has his set and he's not interested in expanding uh, his following. He's not interested in expanding that group. And Caleb Williams just does it automatically without trying. So I think amongst the students, Kenna Williams is mega popular. I think amongst the students, Spencer Rattler has fading popularity. But all that doesn't apply to this situation right here that Oklahoma is going through. And I want to go back to what I said earlier, 74 percent, Rich, 74 percent. He's completing 74 percent of his passes, and uh, that should be good enough but it's not all right here we go let's move on you got anything else you want to say because i just kind of went a I mean, little bit there with, with Spencer the Rattler
0: it should be a little bit higher knowing the number of drop passes that have also oh, occurred
1: that's a fantastic season. point yeah absolutely a fantastic point okay so it's
0: you're right man it's not a one-man show it's a group effort it's easy to pick the leader though
1: yeah big thanks to Nick for throwing that question our way here we go uh number two Rich true or false After last week's narrow win over West Virginia, the Sooners actually deserve to be ranked lower than number six nationally. Now, I
0: disagree with that. And I get that this one's going to be false for me. I get that Oklahoma came into the season in the top four. There were some discrepancies depending on which polls you were looking at in the preseason. And those preseason polls are based solely upon talent and potential of the product Mm -hmm. on the field, usually teams live up to that potential in the early portion of the season. And Oklahoma has, for lack of a better term, disappointed Mm -hmm. those who are actually making these decisions and those who have voted on these, whereas teams like Arkansas are skyrocketing up the charts because of the impressive play that people are seeing on the field, because of the surprise of how good this team truly is. Georgia is another team that's seen a major boost in the rankings up to number two because of how they've handled some, well, more specifically, I wouldn't say they handled Clemson, but they they defeated Clemson. That was considered a good win. You're looking at teams that are rising because of these early wins against ranked opponents, whether that's at a neutral side or whether that was a win on the road, and Oklahoma doesn't have that resume mm-hmm. builder for them, They're still undefeated. It's still a team with a lot of potential. It's a team that obviously hasn't figured everything out. But Matt, you and I have already said this on a previous podcast, is this is a team, and what we've seen under Lincoln Riley, it shows that this is true, is that this is a team that we can continue to expect to progress and to improve throughout the duration of the season. At 4-0 and Oklahoma number 6, in the AP poll, I don't see anything wrong with that, and it's simply because they don't have a marquee win. When Oklahoma gets that opportunity to get a marquee win, um, I, I would expect a very similar situation to play out and that they rise up the rankings because I'll tell you right now that Georgia over Clemson win was not impressive to me just you know, because there are no, names yes. attached. In hindsight,
1: in hindsight now, you're absolutely right. Well, I mean, it was a 10-3.
0: I mean, there was one touchdown score. I'm saying offensively, I just wasn't impressed. Sure, the defenses held their own, but the offenses were very lackluster for me. That's where I'm going with that. And we're saying the exact same thing about Oklahoma, right? The defense is holding serve, but the offense is a little bit lackluster. So they're dropping in the rankings.
1: I I will say that I think Georgia is is legitimately good. I, I have no problems with Alabama in georgia being the top two teams in the country and they're in the same well we'll find out this weekend well yeah they're going to play our Ar- georgia going to host arkansas and i think arkansas we're going to find gonna, out how good both of these teams are i think arkansas is probably going to get curb stomped i mean honestly i i, I think it's gonna be a multiple score mm. win for georgia because i think mm. Georgia's georgia's that good defensively you have 58 first place votes for alabama and in the, in the ap four for georgia 64 for alabama and the coaches i i i don't give as much credit to the coaches poll where OU is still number four, just because I think the coaches poll is more kind of a the good old buddy system. I look at the AP poll and I think there's, I still don't find it to be incredibly credible, but I think there's more there. And I agree with you. I think it's false. I don't think Oklahoma deserved to drop lower than six. But I, I also look at teams ahead of them like Oregon, Penn State, and Iowa. Iowa's got a pretty important game coming up this weekend as well against Maryland. And I just I. I, I think you're still very much in striking distance of those teams that are in front of them. And I look at the teams behind them. Cincinnati has a big game with Notre Dame. You have number seven versus number nine Cincinnati wins this game and they're going to be in the top five conversation and the college football playoff oh, conversation yeah. for the oh, rest yeah. of the season. Um, but Arkansas, we already talked about Arkansas, Notre Dame uh, they're They're not mega impressive, but they're like Oklahoma. They're four and zero. So I look at those teams behind them and I say, Nope, Uh, Oklahoma doesn't deserve to be behind Cincinnati. Nope. Oklahoma doesn't deserve to be behind Arkansas. Nope. Oklahoma doesn't deserve to be behind Notre Dame, but I think I could make an argument for Oregon Penn state and Iowa right now in this moment. But I also can say that I don't think Oregon Penn state and Iowa are going to hold their water either as the conference play begins to move on to move forward. So Mm -hmm. that said, I talked longer than I wanted to on this, but I do agree with you. I think the answer to this question is absolutely undeniably false. All right, so here we go. We're going to get into Kansas State football against Oklahoma as soon as on the road in Manhattan with the third question. True or false, Rich, the Kansas State defensive front will be the best Oklahoma has faced this season.
0: (laughs) It's funny because I feel like, Phil, as though I asked you that exact same question, (laughs) um, largely because of Dante Stills with West Virginia. Even though we knew the physical brand of football that Nebraska – was bringing to town I felt heavily heavily in favor of West Virginia over Nebraska the numbers don't lie for me for Kansas State and that but I am going to say false I don't think they have the same uh, level of talent that a West Virginia has on this defensive front let me rephrase that they don't have a singular star that you can focus in on uh-huh. and hope to to kind of shut down this defensive front needless is State. Kansas State is going to be very productive. They're going to make a living by stopping the run, and they're going to attempt to put pressure on the quarterback. There's no denying that. But I could nail a singular individual off of that defensive line or even out of the linebackers where I feel as though I can do that with West Virginia as I've already done here on this podcast. So for that one, uh, I'm Kansas State's going to be number two, but West Virginia is going to hold steady at number one. Through the games that we've seen so far, and the one we're anticipating this weekend.
1: Okay, I'm going to talk less to try to speed this up because we're hitting uh, we're hitting our, our our bumper time here. But I will say I'm going to disagree with you on this one. This is the first time we're going to disagree. I, I think Kansas State absolutely can can hit it and hit it hard on the defensive front. Um, here we go. Number four, uh, quarterback situation for Kansas State. We 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 teased it. We're going to talk about it just a little bit more with Oklahoma's defense, but true or false, Rich, Oklahoma fans should still be on the edge with this game despite the quarterback issues that the Wildcats are facing.
0: False. Can I just leave it at that?
1: Sure, yeah, Yeah, you can leave it (laughs) at
0: that. Matt, I I think this is a team, it's, it's a vastly different team for Kansas State without Skylar Thompson available. There's an opportunity here for Deuce Vaughn to have a big game, and what we've seen out of Deuce Vaughn as a running back is that very rarely are you able to hold him under a hundred yards, but more than just the rushing attack, he's been heavily involved, heavily involved in the passing game Mm -hmm. as well. Chris Kleiman loves getting Deuce Vaughn in space and giving him the ball and watching him work. And that's absolutely going to be a point of attack for Kansas state. As they prepare for this Oklahoma defense, they're going to line him up and, and give him different looks, uh, when I say different looks, I mean, Alex Grinch, give him different looks with where Deuce Vaughn is being put on the field. I fully believe that even if he's in the backfield doesn't mean he's going to be a ball carrier. He could end up anywhere on the field looking for that space. And so, yes, they're going to attack this defense wholeheartedly and give them everything that they can handle. But again, without Skylar Thompson, a little bit of that anxiety, which I alluded to at the beginning of this podcast is dissipating for me so i'm not not extremely worried that one's a false for me
1: okay last but not least because you did all the deuce vaughn talk and you've actually already answered this question but i'll give you the chance to clarify it Uh, final statement true or false if you stop deuce vaughn you stop the kansas state offense
0: that one is going to be true for me um no team's been able to do it even though he is the focal point of the defensive game plan If a team can figure it out, if a team can solve that riddle, their chances of success against Kansas State skyrocket exponentially. Oklahoma State still wasn't able to do it, but they had a lot of success because of some other things, turnovers. I think they had a kick return early in that game as well to to give them a large enough edge. To hold off Kansas State and then the quarterback situation that quarterback shuffle playing two quarterbacks for Kansas State is just not it's it's not a good look for them it wasn't extremely successful it has been for some other teams in the past but again that didn't work for Kansas State this past weekend it seemed as though it did just enough to keep the game watchable. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily interesting if I can label it as such. So when we talk about uh, Deuce Vaughn, again, he will be the focal point. I think he will be heavily involved, involved, excuse me, in this offense. Slowing him down is not going to be a tall task, but if you can figure out how to do it, of course, your chances to win skyrocket.
1: Okay. That's it for true or false. We got uh, Oklahoma's defense. We got to talk about that real fast. And then the big 12 rundown. Thanks for hanging with us. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. I do think it's as simple as we what we concluded, Rich, with a uh, true or false. I do think it's as simple as putting the brakes on Deuce Vaughn. You saw Oklahoma State do that and, and just had a lot of success. But again, you look at who the signal caller is. And, and to me, when you look at this Kansas State offense, they're averaging 28.3 points per game, 345 yards of offense uh, per game. They're only passing for 161 yards, running for almost 185 yards. And so you, you see that they're a run heavy team, but that quarterback makes all the difference in the world. And I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right without Skylar Thompson, this team becomes less effective. And it's not because I, I, I do believe and and statistics back this up. Will Howard is the better of the two quarterbacks and in, in terms of running the football, but he's definitely not the better of the two quarterbacks in terms of completing passes. And that's Mm -hmm. where you get Skylar Thompson, who's a a good runner, but a better passer. And and whether it's Will Howard or whether it's the Lewis kid, if it's not Skylar Thompson, it changes how you defend this team.
0: It's not just, it's not as clear cut and dry. I think as you put it for me, and because when we look at Skylar Thompson, he's just a dynamic playmaker. Mm -hmm. His, his teammates respond in a different way than they will with Will Howard. And that's not to discredit the talents that is Will Howard. It's not to discredit what he's capable of, but when you have the ability to lead a team like Skylar Thompson does, when you have the natural tenacity about you, like Skylar Thompson has the never quit it, quickly becomes pervasive amongst the rest of the team. I'm not saying Will Howard doesn't have those qualities in him. They're just not as viable. They're just not as strong. And we haven't witnessed them like we have in a Skylar Thompson. So, again, the team responds differently to him, Matt. He's just a very dynamic playmaker. And without him, I, I think Oklahoma can really set themselves up for success with this defensive front and getting into the backfield.
1: So give me your first key to success on the Oklahoma's defense.
0: Yeah, like I said, um, it is getting into the backfield. It's mm-hmm. putting pressure on the quarterback. It's flushing a guy like Will Howard out of the pocket. If he does even play, if he gets the start or if they choose a rotation of quarterbacks, I think getting into the backfield is going to be the, the first step and slowing down this offense, because what you're ultimately trying to take away is not what the quarterback is capable of doing, but it's his time to connect with a guy like Deuce Vaughn, who's trying to find that space to work in. You've already mentioned it, downfield passes take about three seconds, to develop before you actually release the ball. If you can cut that down to one second, I like Oklahoma's opportunities of keeping these plays in front of them and then using the speed, using the athleticism to track individuals down, to track the ball carrier down towards the, whether that be the line of scrimmage or the sideline without giving up massive chunks of yardage. So it all starts with, with this defensive front. It starts with these defensive ends. And more specifically, I'll go ahead and give you a name, Nick Benito for me.
1: Mm-hmm. OK, so I'm going to I'm going to stick with that because that's my number one. Basically, we're, we're going to say the same thing win the line of scrimmage exact same we said with Oklahoma's offense defense. you got to win the line of scrimmage. you got to get pressure in the backfield. And then I'm going to go into number two. And that's uh, uh, I'm going to kind of say this corny, but it's truth. Don't let the deuce get loose. You know what I'm saying? Find deuce Vaughn on every play and make sure that he is accounted for, because you mentioned in the passing game over 10 yards per reception is what he's averaging. This Kansas state team is not dangerous throwing the football. They, they, they can make plays on the football, but they've got four touchdowns on the season to just two touchdown passes. Sorry, four interceptions on the season to just two touchdown passes. And so everything's about Deuce Vaughn. So when the point of attack and then bottle up Deuce Vaughn, don't let him get loose.
0: The second one for me, Matt, I, I'm going to throw this out there as for the defense as a whole, and it's just to play a disciplined game. It's not to do too much. It's not to attempt to be the star of this defense. Yes, I know that. The defense has preached turnovers, but if it's not there, I would rather you keep the play in front of you than a a player getting behind the defense Mm -hmm. because you attempted to make a play on the ball that simply wasn't there in order to force that turnover. So play disciplined defense, keep everything in front of you and keep this offense really from finding a rhythm that they so desperately need because Kansas State. As a whole, I don't think they have a lot of firepower. I think they are, and we've talked about this in depth already, they're relying heavily on this defense yes. to set the tone and to keep them in the game. So if you can basically use their own tactic against them, I think you'll find a lot of success once again.
1: Do you have a third a third key?
0: No, I was going to let you go for that.
1: Well, it's just <laughs> it's turnovers. I mean, it's, it, Kansas uh-huh. State's a team that will turn the ball over. They're averaging an interception per game. Uh, The Oklahoma's got to get those. You got to get, and Oklahoma has at least the defense has at least one turnover per game. Um, Here's something that's very interesting. It's going to be the weather, Uh, the chance for storms, the chance for rain. It could be an ugly field. It could be a wet football. There's a chance for for a a greater chance than normal that Kansas State's going to put the ball out there for Oklahoma to get it. And so you got to get those turnovers um, because. I definitely believe defense wins this game. Whoever wins that line of scrimmage more consistently defensively is going to win this game. And I I do think both both teams are going to try to run the ball. I think both teams are going to have opportunities where they have to pass the ball. And those are the moments where Oklahoma can capitalize and try to get an interception or two. So you got to get the turnovers. Yeah, I
0: didn't want to go with the obvious. But that is one of the obvious things. It was something that I was mentioning there at the end of point number two. I'm going to piggyback, Matt, what you're saying, um, but I'm going to take it from a different perspective and say that Alex Grinch has expected two from this defense each and every Mm -hmm. game. It was the standard. It was the measurement for success. And if we're looking for a successful defense, they need to keep at that clip. They're there right now. We know that, but they need to keep at that clip of two Per game throughout the remainder of the season. That one's just something I'm tacking on to each and every weekend that we begin to preview these games, whether it's said or whether it isn't said, whether it's singled out or whether it's just lumped in there with a larger group of more pressing keys for this defense.
1: All right. So give me a player who you're watching.
0: Like I said, it's Nick Benito for me. I think this is a game where he can absolutely have an impact largely because of the role that he plays. but if we're talking about dominating the line of scrimmage if we're talking about getting into the backfield, he has a lot of opportunity because of the natural skill set because of his speed and because of his size. but I also know that Nick Benito's not a guy that's just been used to create pressure on the quarterback. he's also a guy that's been used to spy the quarterback depending on who's in there that may be what's asked of him. I see him playing a lot of different roles. he may even be asked to drop in coverage for anything coming over the middle to a guy like Deuce Vaughn, he's going to play a lot of different roles. There's going to be a lot that's asked of him. I could see Deshaun White being another individual who's asked to to cover some of those roles, but a majority of that responsibility for me ahead of the game, without knowing the actual game plan that the coaches have laid out, is it's resting upon Nick Benito and, and the talents that he has.
1: That's a good one. I've got uh, and Turner-Yell. Um, he, a monster game against West Virginia last week. Had the scare with the shin bone injury. Uh, by all accounts, he's good to go Saturday in Manhattan. But uh, calling out coverages, we talked about Deuce Vaughn, how important he is in the running game. Uh, the Delarin, a guy like Delarin Turner-Yell, is going to have play a key role in uh, in limiting what Deuce Vaughn does in the passing attack, as well as the last line of defense on run plays. And so uh, I got DTL as my defensive player to watch. And my bold prediction, Rich, is that Kansas State will have less. It's really not a bold prediction uh, when you look at the stats here, but Kansas State will have less than 100 yards rushing is my bold prediction in this game.
0: Wow. As a team, which is the exact same bold prediction that I'm going to have, I was singling in on Deuce Vaughn and saying, in the three wins that Kansas State has produced – I know they had that monster win over Stanford that we may have deemed as unlikely. They had that a big win mm-hmm. over Nevada that I didn't think they would get as evidenced by our Friday locks without a guy like Skylar Thompson on the field in the three wins that Kansas state has produced this season. Deucemon has rushed for over a hundred yards. Those three games alone, Matt was 393. Uh, you need to double check me on this. I thought it was 393 yards in the wins. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it could very well have been the total. I, no, I That's think what I've own. got written
1: down. Yeah, that's total between the three games. You're, you're, on, you're on point.
0: Okay. Um, so, anyway, if we're looking at a, a bold prediction, but one that also feeds back into a key to victory for the defense, it is limiting Deuce Vaughn to less than 100 yards rushing. And I think Oklahoma does that.
1: All right, well, we're going to give you our score predictions as we do the Big 12 rundown. Uh, we'll tell you how we think Oklahoma and Kansas State is going to shake out, but we're going to talk about some other games in the conference as well. Okay, a big game for the Texas Longhorns and the TCU Horn Frogs. TCU taken behind the woodshed last week by SMU. You could say that it was a little bit of um, of overlooking the Mustangs because Texas is coming to town the week later. Everybody knows, it's well-documented, Gary Patterson's um, success against Texas. Um, I don't really know where I buy in on all of this, Rich, to be honest with you, but I do know that I think this will be a fun game. I think it'll be a close game. A lot of people have, um, have Texas just kind of running away with this. I don't see it happening. I, I think Texas wins, but I think this is a, within a field goal. I, Texas is a, a four-point favorite. Uh, the over-under here is at uh, at 65. Surprisingly, I think I would take the under on, on 65 points, but I do think Texas comes out with a field goal-type win. Um, but Gary Patterson, we know this, Rich. He plays in this team. They play Texas. Uh, they fight tooth and nail, and they get him in Fort Worth. 11 o'clock, ABC, this is the first game I'm watching on Saturday.
0: I don't disagree with you in that this one is closer than what a lot of people are are believing. Texas isn't quite the team that people want them to be just because of the name across the front of the jersey there. Sure, they're having some success, but Matt, I'm in the same boat and saying that this one is close. In fact, if you were to look at the spread, I've got it at 4 right now i think right. you take tcu on that plus four whether they win this game or not it still remains pretty close but i think you take the over if that set at 65 this is a game that easily goes over that for me
1: all right so we're going to disagree i think it i think it hits the under because i think there's going to be a lot of running in the football in this game mm, i um, think they
0: score at least 35 points apiece so okay.
1: we'll, we'll see uh, <laughs> it'll be fun let's see how it shakes out um the Texas Tech Red Raiders are going to take a backup quarterback who does have experience into Morgantown to face the West Virginia Mountaineers. Jared Dage gets to go against his brother's former team. Mountaineers are seven and a half point favorites over under on this game. is 55 and a half. Um, I love West Virginia getting seven and a half with Texas Tech on the road against the backup quarterback. And I also love the over on this game. I think, I think West Virginia themselves will be within 10 points of the over under uh, on this game?
0: Oh, we are once again going to disagree. I do think West Virginia handles Texas Tech, no questions asked. When you look at what they're capable of doing with this defensive line, much like Oklahoma, it's create havoc. And when you've got a new quarterback, when you're breaking in a quarterback, it doesn't necessarily bode well for you because of a lack of experience in making those quick reads, but at the same time making an accurate throw as the pressure is coming down your throat. So Matt, I do agree with you. West Virginia handles this one, but I think you need to take the under here. I think this is going to be a a little bit of a lower scoring game than what you believe. And I, I honestly think that 27 or 28 points wins it.
1: I think West Virginia is going to score about 42 to 45 points. But, again, that's just me. We, we can talk about it on, on Sunday. Uh, the biggest game in the Big 12, in my opinion, Baylor at Oklahoma State. Both teams are mm-hmm. undefeated. Uh, this is – who thought this would be a huge game? But it is. ESPN 2, 6 o'clock kickoff. Um, <laughs> this, this has got all the, all the makings of being a game that, um, that you know, you, you got top 25 Baylor, top 25 Oklahoma State. This, this is uh, going to be a fun game. Cowboys three and a half point favorites. Here's the problem for me, Rich. I'm not buying in on Oklahoma State yet. I'm more bought in on Baylor. You know this because I picked Baylor to beat Iowa State last weekend. I'm more bought in on Baylor than I am on Oklahoma State. I've seen ugly offense from the Cowboys. I see a backup quarterback win last week that, that gets knocked down to the third string quarterback. I would unload on Baylor right now as a three and a half point underdog. I think I would uh, man that that over under 47 and a half. Um, I think I would tend under to go under that because I don't know which version of the Oklahoma State offense I'm getting. I think I think 47 and a half is is close. I think I would probably be around 45. But um, definitely, I love Baylor getting three and a half because I think Baylor wins this game. And if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you can't get upset with me because I feel like I pick against Oklahoma State every weekend, and yet they win every weekend.
0: Baylor has been the surprise of the season. And when we look at what they're currently doing, it's hard to argue with that. The way that this offense has basically been humming along I can't disagree with you. Oklahoma state at best has been inconsistent for me. And that's worrisome because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know which Spencer Sanders you're going to get. And if it is this inconsistent turnover prone quarterback that we're accustomed to seeing injury prone at the same time, I just didn't want to mention that, that we're used to seeing from Oklahoma state. It's unfortunately just not a good look Mm -hmm. for those who are chanting orange power Baylor, even though they're on the road at Oklahoma state has a very good chance of not just covering the spread, but, but winning this game and finding themselves jumping up into those rankings and knocking Oklahoma state out Matt, I do want to bring up one thing that you said, because you said if Oklahoma state won the game, against Kansas state, they would be the worst ranked team in the country. Right. Hey, at least you're, at least you're holding steady.
1: No, I, again, I think it's smoke and mirrors. I, I don't um, – you want to make me a believer in Oklahoma State, win this game. If you win this game, mm-hmm. I will come on Sunday night and I will say, you know what, Oklahoma State's the real deal. Kudos to Mike Gundy for getting them to 5-0 and o with this team that he has. Uh, I just – I think it, I see bad offense. Every time I watch them play, I see bad offense. And mm-hmm. I think, like I said, Saturday night in Stillwater could have been an anomaly for – for kansas state i also think it could have been an anomaly for oklahoma state this will tell the difference i again i i got no confidence at laying anything on oklahoma state as a favorite at this point in conference against a team Mm -hmm. that just beat iowa state so give me baylor give me four and a half and let's let's run with that and see what happens (laughs) um kansas at iowa state now this is interesting all right so let me preface what i'm about to say with Iowa State's winning this game. Iowa State's not going 0-2 to start conference play. But the Cyclones, out of the top 25, they started as a top 10 team. They're out of the top 25. They're 2-2 on the season, 0-1 in Big 12 play. Kansas, they got their their token win of the season. Now they're just trying to get through October so they can start basketball season. But the Cyclones are 34-point favorites against Kansas. Kansas. I think mm-hmm. this is an improved Kansas team. I, I think I don't think they're good, but I think they're better than what they have been in the past. Iowa State still figuring things out. I think Kansas covers 34 points. I obviously Iowa State wins. I think Kansas covers 34 points. And I think the over-under is spot on at 56 and a half. I wouldn't touch that over-under because I think it's spot on, but I would take. I I can't believe I'm saying this. I think I would take Kansas getting 34 points.
0: I'm taking the opposite field from you here. I think this is a game that Iowa State comes out and they're angry and they're out to prove a point. It is a conference opponent. Sure, it's Kansas, but I would not be surprised to see a goose egg up there at the end of the game for Kansas and a 42 hanging up there for Iowa State. So I'm taking the under on this one, but I'm, I'm also taking Iowa State to cover the 34.
1: Well, I didn't. I clearly didn't take this on, on my Friday locks, but if I was going to take um three games from the Big 12 for Friday locks, I, I think it would be West Virginia, uh, and the, the over under West Virginia Texas Tech. I think it would be Baylor getting the four and a half from Oklahoma State, and I really think it would be I would uh, uh Kansas getting these 30, 30, what 34, what I just said, it 34 points from from mm-hmm. Iowa state. Uh, I think those would be the three big 12 schools. I would lock if I was doing this, that leads us up to Oklahoma and Kansas state. Sooners are 12 point favorites. 52 and a half is your over under here. Um, I'm going to say this, rich. I think this game hits the under at 52 and a half, but uh, I'm with, uh, this has been a theme throughout this podcast that this is a different game with Skylar Thompson, uh, a, and it's not, it, I mean, he's, I, I don't think he plays. I think it's Will Howard. Um, I think that changes things the way Alex Grinch plays this uh, team defensively. I've got Oklahoma winning 28 to 17, 11 point win for the Sooners, which means Kansas state covers at 12.
0: Man. It, I don't feel like it was at 12 when I set my Friday locks. <laughs> um, so I was still operating. It doesn't matter if it's 12 or if it was 11 and a half, They're close enough that it doesn't really matter. Um, I do agree. We don't see Skylar Thompson. I think we see a carousel of quarterbacks out there while Kansas State tries to figure out what they want to do with the future. I think Oklahoma is able to not necessarily tee off, but limit what Deuce Vaughn is capable of, um, largely because there is no Skylar Thompson, which leads Oklahoma, as I've mentioned, my bold prediction, scoring more than 30 points. Due to turnovers and very fortunate turnovers that happen where Oklahoma can just operate on, their, on the opposing side mm-hmm. of the field, not their own side of the field. Oklahoma wins this one 31-21.
1: All right. Well, I, we I, both, can't, we, I can't we step both away got, from a field goal. We both got them within 12. So that, uh, that sounds uh-huh. good to me. All right. Sunday night, Sooner Nation podcast. We'll break that game down, give you our thoughts on the Big 12, and then moving forward into Hate Week with the Texas Longhorns. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You can find us pregame, postgame, heartland sports.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Have a great weekend and enjoy your football. Boomer Sooner.